0: Hey, good morning. Good to see you this morning. Glad that you are here. Doesn't really help at all. It just makes me feel taller. And, uh, I see Robbie do this when he walks up, so... Uh, feel t- hey, glad you're here. Um, if you're online this morning, glad that you're with us online. Glad that you chose, those of you who are here, to, uh, chose to be with us in person I see a few new faces here in the auditorium this morning, so we're starting to trickle back a little bit. Glad that, uh, glad that that's happening. Last week, I, I preached a sermon that uh, was sort of preached in the context of something that was going on in my life, a-, a request from my father. This week, I am preaching a sermon, stepping away from our series, I'm preaching a sermon in the context of what's going on around us. And when I say what's going on around us, I don't mean what's going on in the world. I don't mean what's going on in America or even Florida for that matter. I'm talking about right here in Tampa Bay. What's happening today in Tampa Bay? The Van Gogh, Muse- Van Gogh exhibit at the Dolly Museum is taking place today. <laughs> and I know you're all excited about that. Yeah. No, it's the Super Bowl. And for the second time in franchise history, our very own Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing in the Super Bowl. For the first time in the history of the NFL, a team is playing in the Super Bowl in their home stadium. So if you're watching online and you're someplace where it's cold and miserable, you need to be in Tampa Bay. The weather is beautiful, just a little bit of rain this morning, but the weather is beautiful, There is Super Bowl fever going on. We're all kind of caught up in the hysteria. Now, it's been 18 years since the Bucks have been in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady is 43 years old, and I figure if I'm ever going to preach a sermon and somehow tie it into the Super Bowl, this is probably my one and only chance. (laughs) So I am taking advantage of my one and only chance this morning to tie a sermon into the Super Bowl. Having said that, I know that there are a lot of you, a lot of you, who really don't have any interest in the game that's going to be played this evening. I also know that there are a lot of you, and many of you, I wish you all could see all the Buccaneer shirts that are here in the audience, that have a great deal of interest in the game that's going on. Then everybody else is somewhere in between. I heard uh, somebody say, you have too, if you want to find out what's important to people, follow the money. I looked this up this week, and while I believe what I found, I still find it a little bit difficult to wrap my mind around these numbers. Today, over 200 million people are betting on the Super Bowl in some form or fashion. Over $7 billion is going to be wagered on not just the outcome of the game, but every nuance of the game. In America, there are more people gambling today than any other day of the year. The Super Bowl really is something that transcends uh, everything else. And just like everybody else, I'm I'm caught up in it too. Go Bucks. But it got me thinking: what if we were as excited about Jesus as we were about the Super Bowl? What if we were just that excited about Jesus as we were about football? What if conversations about Jesus just happened just as naturally? as conversations about football. What if we were just as quick to pick up the Bible and read it as we were the Sports Page or, or Sports Illustrated? You know, what, if we, what if we listened to uh, Christian radio more than ESPN radio or spent more time in the Word than we did on Bleacher Report? You all know that, that I'm a sports guy. I talk about it a lot. I, I grew up playing sports. I still try to stay active. I love watching sports, especially football and i think there are some similarities between the christian life and sports specifically football and the reason why i think there are some similarities between christianity and sports is because i'm going from the playbook of the apostle paul paul talked about sports a lot paul was a sports fan he compared christianity to a boxing match to a wrestling match to to a race He used something as inconsequential as sports to talk about and to point people towards the most consequential thing of all. So I figure if Paul can do it, so can I. So this morning, I'm going to share with us a couple ways that we can win the big game, a couple suggestions, just to let everybody know that we are as serious about our faith as we are about our football. And the first is this. You need to tell everybody whose team you're on. You just need to let everybody know whose team you're on. Don't be ashamed to show your colors. I've said this before. You 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 all most of you know me pretty well. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania. But I've spent most of my life right here in Hillsborough County. I have followed the Bucks since 1984. I have been a Bucks fan. But Most of you also know, because I talk about it a lot, I live and die with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just do. I'm sorry to say that today, but the Pittsburgh Steelers, I grew up just outside of Pittsburgh in the 70s, so I have followed them, and I know it's just me and Faye Brown and Spencer Villinger. You know, we might be the only three Bucks fans here, but we don't mind letting people know. I mean, the Steeler fans But we don't mind letting people know whose team we follow. I'm not ashamed to tell people whose team I'm on. You remember in the Old Testament, right before he died, Joshua addresses the children of Israel one last time. Uh, They wandered in the wilderness. He led them across the Jordan River. They've they've been in Canaan. They uh, have had some battles, some victories, some defeats. And Joshua addresses the people and tells them this. Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me... My household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua states his case for Jehovah. And he says, ultimately, you're going to have to decide who you're going to follow. But make no mistake who I'm following. I'm on the Lord's side. I choose the Lord. Joshua says, that's whose team I'm on. That's where my allegiance is. I'll give you reasons why you should be on that team as well, but regardless of your decision, I'm on Jehovah's side. And then in the New Testament, right before he ascends back to heaven, Jesus tells his disciples, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We aren't just encouraged. We are commanded to be a witness for Jesus. We're commanded to let people know, I belong to Jesus. Jesus is my Lord. We're commanded to let people know whose team we're on and why we're there. Second suggestion. Take ownership of your team. Take ownership. Uh, Question, who are we playing tonight? Kansas Kansas City, yeah. I heard a bunch of people say Kansas City. What time are you all suiting up, by the way? what time, or Shouldn't you be at the stadium pretty soon? <laughs> we are not playing Kansas City, right? But yes, we are, right? Because we take ownership of that. During football season, I will call my son, Will, and we'll talk about the Steelers, and I'll ask, who are we playing this week? And he'll say, we're playing the Cleveland Browns. And I'll say, we have got to beat Cleveland. And he'll say, well, we're going to have to control the line of scrimmage. We're going to have to run the ball better than we've been running it. And I'll say, because we didn't run it very well last week. And really, it's absurd when you think about it, right? We talk like it's us actually doing something. We take ownership of that. We're invested in that. We're attached to that. We support our team. We have to take ownership of our Christianity Jesus said in John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. He doesn't say you can do less. He doesn't say you can do something a little inferior. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. A branch doesn't just hang out beside the vine. A branch just doesn't check in with the vine every now and then. It's got to be attached. We understand that. If It's not attached. It withers and dies. Jesus says, you've got to be connected to me. You can't just get close every now and then. You can't just think about me every now and then. You've got to be connected to me. You've got to remain in me. In fact, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. What can we do apart from Jesus? Nothing. We can do nothing apart from Jesus. You think, well, wait a minute. I can sin apart from Jesus. Yes, you can. In fact, that's not a possibility. That's actually a certainty. But what Jesus is saying is that you can't do anything that's good, that's right, that's true, that's noble, that's righteous, that's holy, that's admirable, that's lovely. You can't do any of those things apart from me. You've got to stay connected to the vine. We have to remain in Jesus. And Paul will talk about this struggle. And actually, Paul gives us an answer to the struggle as well. In Romans chapter 7, a passage you're familiar with, but it, it connects with all of us seems to be a fact of life that I I want to do what's right, but I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another law at work within me that's at war with my mind. This law wins the fight, makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin? And then Paul answers his own question. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Who's the answer? Jesus is the answer. We need to tell everyone whose team we're on. We need to take ownership of our team. And then my third thought, we need to be passionate about our team. We need to be passionate about our team. There are several teams in the NFL that I watch any game, but there are several teams I really like to watch. Several teams I like. I like the Dolphins. I like the Seahawks, I really like the Bucks, but again, I bleed black and gold. Now that's the team that I love, and, and I kind of wish I didn't, to be honest, because I know it's a little bit childish, and I know it's, it's a little bit immature for me to be as passionate about something as football. For some illogical reason, the outcome of those games matters to me. I mean, I get over it pretty quickly, but the outcome matters in the moment. When the Steelers play on Monday night and they lose, I can't go to sleep. I can't. I will stay up. I'll try to defuse. I'll finally slip into bed, you know, one o'clock, and Martha will say, Uh, is the game over? Yes. (laughs) Did they win? No. We couldn't get off the field on third down. The Secondary was getting beat like they stole something. When the game's over, I'm like the greatest football mind in the world. I know so much more than all the coaches and, and all the professional athletes. You know, I tell them what they should have done. Uh, you know, She's like, just go to sleep. And I'm like, I can't go to sleep. And again, I'm embarrassed to admit that because I know it's irrational. And I'm a pretty rational guy. It shouldn't matter so much to me, but it does. Now, obviously, my analogy falls completely apart uh, on this point. Um, We talk about the outcome of a football game. It doesn't change my life at all. Uh, My allegiance to a team over another team doesn't matter at all. But when we talk about my spiritual life, my eternal existence, our allegiance to Jesus changes everything. And nothing matters more than our allegiance to Jesus. The reason to be passionate about Jesus is that Jesus changes everything. Um, Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came. That they might have life and have it to the full. Jesus doesn't just change lives. He gives life. And Jesus wants us to know, the Bible wants us to know, just how important the outcome is and how decided the outcome is. 2 Corinthians 5, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what's due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. How important is it to be serious about our spiritual lives? It is a matter of life and death. Nothing else matters. Jesus says in John chapter 12, there's a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. Jesus said, if, if you don't accept my teaching, if you don't obey my word, you're going to be judged. And eternal life and eternal death hang in the balance. Heaven and hell hang in the balance. It's how serious, how passionate we need to be about Jesus. And then finally, when it comes to our Christianity, we can't just be a fan. I watch football. Love watching football. I'm going to watch the game tonight. I am not going to participate in any way. I'm just a fan. When it comes to our Christianity, Jesus doesn't want fans. The dictionary defines a fan as an enthusiastic admirer. And I know that, Jimmy DeBose, you could tell us there is a big difference between someone who sits in the stands and complains about a running back who can't break a tackle than someone who's actually carrying the ball and trying to shake off a 250 pound linebacker. There is a big difference between being a fan and being a participant you know fans we want to be close enough to the action to kind of feel some of the excitement we want to be close enough to kind of get excited when our team wins and we want to be close enough to complain when our team loses but we don't want to do the sacrifice to do what it takes to be on the field we're never going to do that Fans of Jesus want to be close enough to to get some benefit from Jesus, but not so close that any sacrifice is, is required. We want to be able to say a few prayers, show up at a few services, slap a fish bumper sticker on our car. That's about as close as we want to be. But is that the relationship Jesus wants? Jesus doesn't want fans, Jesus wants followers. Luke chapter 9, he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Jesus didn't want fans. He was looking for followers. He told uh, Peter and John, Drop your nets and follow me. He told the rich young ruler, Walk away from your wealth and follow me. He told Matthew, Get up from your tax collecting booth and follow me. He told Philip, follow me. He tells us, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Jesus doesn't want fans. He wants followers. He doesn't want spectators. He wants participants. It's estimated that 175 million people are going to watch that game tonight. Half of the American population will at some time Tune in to the Super Bowl tonight. But there's only going to be 22 people on the field at any one time. See, Jesus wants us on the field. He wants us in the game. He's not looking for fans. He's looking for followers. And I'll say this. I have no idea who's going to win the game tonight. I really don't. I'm picking the bucks in a shootout, 34-31, but I'm not betting on it. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to lose a dime tonight because I have no idea who's going to win. I have no idea how it's going to end. But of course, the ironic thing is when it comes to my spiritual life, my Christian life, I know exactly how it ends. I know exactly how the story ends, and I know who wins. John writes in 1 John, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in the Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. John says, Let me tell you how this game is going to turn out. If you're on the side of Jesus, the Son, you win. You have life. If you are not on the side of the Son of God, you lose. You do not have eternal life. And intellectually, we know that. We understand that. But why don't we live our lives with the urgency that that outcome requires? Listen, tonight, watch the game, enjoy the game. Root for the Bucks. But the truth is, the outcome's not really going to change our lives. Nobody in this room that I see, and I doubt there's anybody online that this outcome of this game tonight is really going to change our lives. It's not a matter of life and death. This is. In a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets first prize. So run your race to win. To win the contest, you must deny yourselves many things that would keep you from doing your best. An athlete goes to all this trouble just to win a blue ribbon or a silver cup, but we do it for a heavenly reward that never disappears. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I fight to win. Everyone competes, not everyone wins. This week, don't be hesitant to tell people whose team you're on. Take ownership of it. Be passionate about it. Get in the game. God's looking for followers, not fans. And Fight to win. Let's pray. Father, You didn't put us here to be spectators. You have allowed us not just to see Your glory, but also to have a part in it. You've given us a race to run. And through Christ, you've promised us a winner's crown. Father, may we run with endurance as we strain toward the finish. May we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Dave's got a song that we're going to sing together to get us ready to share in the Lord's Supper.